the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic's Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Uh, once again, Alan Dempsey does our engineering. And Andrew Hertliska produces this show each weekend for us. Uh, Dr. Steve Green joins us. Uh, his book is out. It's a wonderful book on leadership called Love Leads, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, Steve, nice to chat with you. I'm looking forward to our visit here. Well, thank you, sir. I'm really glad to be on your show. Many, many leadership books come out, Steve. I've probably gotten most of them. Uh, why is yours different? What does this title, Love Leads, mean? Well, that's a real real good question, and it's a, it's very broad at the same time, because most leadership books, as you're well aware, probably have something like 17 tri- t- trips or ticks, if I could speak, about 17 tips to better leadership, 15 characteristics of this, four of those. Mm-hmm. This is a one thought book mm. and and that's about love that without love you know we're all in trouble but specifically leaders who lead with uh technique or tricks or tips are probably trying to do something in the flesh you know as opposed to a spiritual approach to realizing that god is love if that's true if god is love and god leads you and me with love then really what's left What's left is for me to love the people I lead. Without that, we're just technical. We're doing things that I think I can do my way or the highway, do what I say, do what I do, as opposed to being led by God. Your first chapter is called The Case for Love. Uh, What are you telling us there, Steve? Well, sir, it was pretty much this thought that if God is love and I don't have love, how am I supposed to lead? Mm. That there's there's so many other things that we could say that leadership is. It's integrity. It's listening. It's these uh, human skills that we develop over a lifetime. But it misses the primary factor that love is the change agent to leadership. That most of us have an image of leaders. In fact, if you look at my book cover, we've got... Uh, strength leads, and then we have it scratched out, and love is over the top of that of that word. Strength used to, it, and kind of still is. You've grown up, you were raised in this era, and you've led in this era where the tough guys get leadership roles. You know, and they're strong. And they're, I remember I had desk pounders. I had I worked for three different bosses. I'm 64. I've worked for three different bosses who loved to pound the desk when they were talking. <laughs> That goes back a ways, right, Pat? But it's still, that was the method. I mean, that's what my dad grew up on, you know, and it was, uh, we led with fear, fear of losing your job. Going back to Frederick Taylor in the scientific management revolution of, of, of industrial revolution, we got to that point where uh, all leadership was was driven by helping your people to feel fear. Well, if you don't get this job done, I'll find somebody who can. Mm. And that's been said to me a few hundred times over my career. But still, it doesn't lead people to want to do their best because they're operating out of fear. So the case for love is to understand people better. And really, right from the beginning of this interview, I'll say to you that the very best leaders are known by the people they develop. Mm -hmm. You know, the course, again, of your career the people you've worked with, that you've helped, that you've developed, are better because of how you led them. My job is to lead people to 
their best potential, to get out of them what they've got in them, to lead them there, not to beat them there, and either beat them with words or with activities or with threats or punishments or rotting them up or pink slipping. Those are all old-school techniques that, frankly, never did work. But there weren't a lot of jobs for people to go to. Now the alternatives are right across the street. Mm. You know, if you treat me poorly, I'm out. You know, we don't have the eras where a guy starts with a company and retires with a gold watch 30 years later. (laughs) It doesn't happen. You've seen it. My dad was loyal to one company. I'll never forget it. You know, and so when I changed jobs or changed universities, as it was, I was a professor at one and I changed universities. He, He said, how do you do that? How do you leave someone after three years? And It's real easy. Someone's paying me a lot more money. (laughs) <laughs> that's what my loyalty was and and things have changed in this era where if you yell at me today I'll probably be having a resume submitted tomorrow let's move to the second topic you write about uh, Dr. Steve Green is our guest his book is called Love Leads uh, second topic the faith of a leader what are you writing there Steve well obviously um, I want to lead people to Christ by my behavior. Mm-hmm. And and I think I, I'm called to make decisions that are made because of my faith. And I think if people consistently see me being stretched to believing in what I believe, not because I've got a whole lot of evidential material in front of me, but because I believe that this is where where we should go. This is what I believe that God is telling me and then what we should tell others. That's how we get there. I've got to be willing to to give up some of my own personal comfort for the good of the team, to have faith in uh, what God is showing me, how I'm working, in order to help things get better. You know, it, it, there's no magic formula here. It's die to self, less of me and more of God. Mm-hmm. And as I lead other people, I've, I've got to give them the energy and the, the willingness to know that uh, fear is the opposite of faith. And what I'm afraid of, if I'm going down the hall of, of my company uh, screaming about what's not happening and what are we going to do if this happens, oh, what was me, they see me wringing my hands, what what are they going to do? They're going to mirror the leader. They're going to act just like the leader acts. I think that you can see how people are led by interviewing pretty low in the company. You don't have to go high up. Uh, when I was doing climate surveys for companies, I could just interview a few of the uh, very entry-level people, the bottom, what we would call the bottom 10% of the, the ladder, mm-hmm. and they represented the leader. You could tell exactly how they were being led by speaking with them. We, we've got to be the ones to think new thoughts. Mm-hmm. I've got to help people think those new thoughts and use my faith to know that I was called into this position. I'm prepared for it. I'm ready for it. I've lived long. I could do this. But I can't do it alone. And and I think loving leaders are, are, are just about the notion that I, I don't want you to do something that I'm not doing. I want to lead from the front. I don't want to be behind my desk saying, go take that mountain. I really want to be out in front of the, the pack, taking the mountain from a leadership position. What is leadership? You know, It's follow me. So I need to be followable. I need to know where I'm going, Pat. I need to be able to help people get there. Mm-hmm. In order to lead properly, I've got to have a plan. I've got to have an idea. And the root of that is faith. Faith in not myself. I've had that guy. I've had that leader that banged his chest as King Kong would and say, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the king. Listen to me. Do what I say. And, and it's empty, isn't it? It just doesn't turn into anything. What, what happens with a, a selfless leader, one who's died to self and knows that I'm fallible, but my faith is strong enough to get me through any valley. I, I think that's the essence of the faith chapter. Now I want you to talk about relationships precede influence. Well, again, I'm the kind of leader, and it doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just describing my my beliefs, that there'll be counterpoints to everything I say. That's why there's so many books on leadership. There'll be another couple hundred books come out next year. Mm-hmm. They'll have a little bit different angle. My belief is a relationship comes before I can ask you to do anything. You know, the relationship isn't based on a paycheck. That's old school. 
Again, that's that scientific theory that I cannot have influence with you if I don't have a relationship with you. Why, why would you follow me if we don't have a relationship? If I don't know you, your kids, you know, what makes you tick? Do you like to go to basketball games? You know, I want to know what your energy level is toward several things because guess what? Everyone in my team is different. You figure that out at a pretty young age as a basketball coach, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to know that not everybody's led the same way. Not everybody responds the same way. Steve, we got to take a break. Uh, you're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Back with Dr. Steve Green talking about love leads right after these messages. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. It's long, over a thousand chapters, over 30,000 verses. No wonder so many of us have never read it cover to cover. Want to do it? Want to read the entire Bible? Start today at BibleStudyTools.com. BibleStudyTools.com includes Bible in a Year, an interactive plan for reading, learning, and understanding the Bible. Deepen your faith and impact your walk with God one day at a time. Bible in a Year, just one of the new interactive Bible study tools at BibleStudyTools.com. This is Michael Medved here with Mike Stahl from Health Markets, helping folks find the right Medicare coverage. The news reports say that the rates might be going down. The government projects the cost of Medicare plans will decrease this year. So you have to ask yourself, are you getting the best rate? Health Markets offers a free service with access to thousands of Medicare plans nationwide to help folks maximize their benefits and save money. What is it people need to keep in mind? Enrollment in the right plan is not automatic. With so many Medicare options, it can be confusing. My advice, don't go at a Get unbiased help to find a plan that may cost less and cover more with lower co-payments, more choices like dental and vision, and the freedom to choose your doctors. With the enrollment deadline only weeks away, it's important to act now. Our Health Markets Medicare assistance is free. Thanks, Mike. This is Michael Medved for Health Markets. For your free Medicare assistance, call 800-292-7796. That's 800-292-7796. 800-292-7796. How would you like to see clearly when you wake up in the morning? Reduce your dependence on corrective lenses. How would you like to change the way you see the world? Well, you've always wanted to do it, and now is the time to take that step with LASIK. And we are excited to announce that for the first time ever, LASIK is now available at half price. Just go to our website, AmazingRadioDeals.com. Imagine getting LASIK at half price. Enjoy activities such as work, movies, sports, and play. LASIK at half price? Amazing. AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half price LASIK available now. Save thousands. AmazingRadioDeals.com You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Steve Green has written a terrific book on leadership. It's called Love Leads. He's our guest. Now, Steve, we get to the fourth topic I want you to explain. Managing, and you're going to have to explain this word, E-N-T-R-O-P-Y, managing entropy. Um, What does that mean? Well, let's start with an analogy of a closet. Let's say that you were instructed by someone in your house that you care about that said, that, hey, we need to get these closets clean. It's spring cleaning time. Let's, Let's organize our closet. So we do that. I don't know about your closet, but in my closet, it might take two weeks to a month before that closet looks like it's always looked. (laughs) <laughs> it moves toward disorganization. And that's what it, the entropic process says by, by science, that all matter moves toward disorganization. You know, if you, if you don't give it attention, it will back up. It'll, re, it'll become disorganized. So I've thought about ball teams that I've worked with in, in the past and, you know, let the coach go away for a while, let him take a couple of practices off. He comes back to that team three, four days later it doesn't look the same. It just dissolves a little bit. It backs up a little bit. It gets less formal, less organized. I've owned restaurants. I've managed restaurants. I've taken a week vacation and left my restaurant. I came back to something less. It wasn't as good. Entropy is is a fact of life. You know, all of our cells are backing up, our life-giving cells. Plants go toward disorganization. They die. But in an organization, excuse me, 
in an organization, we know that everything moves toward that. Companies move toward disorganization. All it takes is a little lack of attention. If I'm not paying attention, I love to go after as I moved into new markets uh, when I was in the TV business and I would move into a new market, I wanted to find out who number one was. Who's the number one TV station in the market? We're number one. They're probably the most vulnerable because entropy is getting a hold of them and they don't even know it because they're resting on their laurels. Championship teams have a lot of difficulty repeating because they're resting on their accomplishments of a previous season, perhaps. it You know, some can repeat and get one for the thumb. You know, they get those five championships, but it's pretty rare. The average organization dissolves because of trying to do things like we've always done them instead of moving it forward, arresting entropy. The job of a leader is to get a hold of that line and continue to push the growth curve. We we can never rest on our accomplishments or the fact that, you know, we've got it going on, you know, we're we're doing really well. Not not necessarily. We come to that place where we have to realize that we're backing up and there's just nothing as powerful, Pat, as a big new idea. Mm. And new ideas are what keep what keeps entropy from taking us over. Now I want you to explain loving through a crisis. Uh, what are you writing there, Steve? Sir, um, I want to be at my best when my team's at its worst. That's really the essence of this chapter, that crisis management is, is part of life. You can tell when a company is in crisis sometimes, or they're being challenged. You know, maybe we've had a losing season. We've had a couple of bad uh, profit and loss statements, and we're a little worried about competitive intrusion. Competitors are coming after us, and maybe they're making headway. Uh, that could be a crisis. So what we try to do is make sure that we lead with a, a sense of belief back to faith that we're going to be okay. And my job is to communicate, to over-communicate right in the middle of those bad seasons, those bad days that we're, we're working through it. Here's our plan. And basically, when I'm in a crisis, I will over-communicate. I will say more to my team than I do when things are going well. When things are going well, I tend to leave people alone. But when, they're, when we're struggling, I want to talk to them more to encourage them and keep them moving forward. People don't need me to fuss and to gripe and complain when things are down. They need me to have energy, to give a, a reason for my belief, and to move forward. I, I, I'm going to say it again because I think it's such a powerful statement that leaders have to be at their best when our team is at their worst. Mm. If Sally comes into me today and she's having a bad day and she's really down, something's going on at home, I've got to be at my best for her. I've got to be able to encourage her, to believe in her, to give her a reason for, for hope. And, and I believe that as we confront, as we correct, it builds trust. If all I'm doing as a coach is running up and down the hall, patting people on the back, well, that's not going to build high trust. Trust happens when, when I tell somebody that they've got something that needs to be corrected. It's like sitting at a table for lunch, having a salad, and some of that green stuff sticks in your tooth. Maybe it's a piece of spinach. <laughs> and I, I go to the mirror and I look and I see that green flag waving back at me when I'm on my teeth. I, 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 the first thing I do is kind of get upset that nobody at my table told me. You know, or maybe it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I've gone two or three hours with that spinach in my tooth. <laughs> I'm, I'm not happy because no one told me. That would be a confrontation. Maybe it stings a little to be told that you got spinach in your tooth and you're a little embarrassed. But I'd much rather have that than, you know, 20 people seeing it all day long and nobody telling me about it. Well, that's the same way in a company that where I need to confront someone with something that's not going right and try to help them get better. Steve Green, Dr. Steve Green, his book is called Love Leads. Leaders Act and Keep Acting. And that's the sixth topic, Steve. Go with, run with it. Well, it's another one of those things that uh, it's so powerful that we've got to understand that leaders are people of action. And, you know, I, I take a look at Donald Trump, whatever side we're on, whether you like him or you don't like him, you have to admit that he is doing things. He's taking action. That's the sign of a leader. They're moving. Uh, this man, from what I've been told, works very early in the morning, very late at night. He's on an eight-to-fiver. He, he's just constantly working. That's the image I want to have as a leader, that I don't work by the clock. 
I don't minister to people or help people by the clock. I'm sorry, it's 5.30, I don't have time for this right now, i got to go. That's the opposite of what I want to do. I want to be there when people need me, and I think uh, love acts. The, you know, it, I can tell my wife I love her all I want, but I need to act it as well. I need to act like it. I need to show it in the home. Leaders, you know, leaders start in the home. If if I'm not leading well at home, I'm probably not going to lead well in the workplace. It, it's almost a fact. So I want to take initiative and and always take that first step and show other people how to take that hard step. You know this. Mm-hmm. The hardest step we take is the first one mm-hmm. to move toward getting something fixed or doing something better. We've We've got to make transitions, plan those out, be willing to change. And, and we do that because we act on something before we have to. You know, preventive acting is a lot better than reactive. If we're in trouble and I'm reacting, I, I call it knee-jerking. If I'm knee-jerking, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I prefer to react based on what I see, but what's even better is to proact. Do something before I have to. Steve Green has written Love Leads. It's a good leadership book. Now, Steve, explain this one. Kings don't need to roar. Well, I've always wondered why lions roar, haven't you? Like, why is that big old lion who could take one swat at my face and put me out of my misery? (laughs) You know, just one good swat, I'm down for the count, and he's having lunch. But they roar. They tell everybody in the jungle they're there. Well, that may be the way an animal acts, but it shouldn't be the way a leader leads. Uh, A lot of leaders are loud. They yell, scream. They're known for their yelling for their fits. They let everybody on the team know when they're upset. I don't need to do that. You know, we've got to get that place, sir, when, you know, we can lead without having to be boisterous about it. There's no need to roar. In fact, when I'm at my most unhappy as a leader, I'm probably whispering. You know, I'm I'm really low and I'm I'm doing it intentionally so I don't get loud. I've got to correct that. Um, I need to be broken. My team needs to see me uh, responding to some things, not in a king of the jungle act, but in a guy that's humble, honestly humble, not fake humble, but realizing that I'm not perfect, I'm going to make mistakes, and I need to lead from that position of weakness, not from a position of strength. Uh, weak is, I mean, meekness is not weakness. You know, the, the Bible says pretty clearly, meek will inherit the earth. Um, that's That's nice. But I want to be meek in the way that I treat people, being known as someone who's meek, not weak. There's not not one person on my team will say to anyone that I'm weak, but I will be meek and I'll be quiet and I'll be uh, I'll ask more questions and I make statements. I'll work with them. We we have to to get to that place where we trust what's being said to us. We empower people. We we give people an opportunity to fail. In fact, I require it in my my people that I work with. I expect them to fail. I I empower them to fail. It's in their job description. You must make mistakes. That's a little different, isn't it? Mm. I, I want you to make a mistake because now I can help you grow. When you're just being safe and doing what I've asked you to do and doing things the way you've always done them, there's no value to that. Try something new. I'll reward that. You know, we'll fix it. We won't do it again if it doesn't work. But the only way we're going to find that new opportunity is to take some chances and be rewarded for those chances instead of threatened and yelled at and roared at. So uh, we've got to do all we can. We can't be so resolved at our greatness that we're afraid to be a little slow to accept our own great strengths. I don't want people to think that I'm it that I got all the answers. I want answers from them. That's leadership. Tell us about Rooted in Prayer. You do a whole chapter on that, Steve. Yes. Well, I I think you know me uh, well enough to know that uh, I want to pray before every action I take. I pray every morning in my office, at my desk, for everybody on my team. I will pray for them to get their prayers answered. I'll pray for things I know they're going through, they struggle through. I pray every morning. That's all I can say is I, I want God's help. I can't do it on my own. That I'm not weak. I can do it in my intellect, but I'd rather do it with the help of God, with leading on something that I get my vision from God. 
You know, I, I believe it's inspired that as I pray, I get direction. It, you know, I don't have a lot of uh, audible voice. I'm not some super Christian, but I do think I hear from God. I get unctions. I get feelings of what I think the right thing is. And then I, you know, I go slowly. I, I try to do the best I can uh, to hear what I'm being asked to do and to know what the challenges are that's ahead of us. You know, as well as I know, the things don't always go the, the way they're planned. You know, I think I've got a good plan in, in my own brain. But then we get into the middle of it, and we find that it's a lot harder than we thought it was. Tell me about leaders aren't loners, Steve. Well, sir, you can't you can't do this job alone. And and if I try to um, operate on my own counsel, I'm not wise. Leaders seek the counsel of other godly people. Leaders seek the counsel of people who've been this way before. The best leaders, in my opinion have gone through a, a season of really good following. I love to know, before I hire a leader, who they followed and how well they followed. Mm-hmm. You know, young people aren't that want to lead haven't even experienced followership. They haven't learned to develop a good following uh, attitude. They don't just follow people. They, they want to lead, but they haven't yet developed the skill to follow. You know, it's very easy for me to be number two, number four, number 12 in the company. I love people who can lead from the bottom of the ladder. That's people I can employ. I, I love to be the leader that doesn't have power, but to lead a team because of my influence, because I, I've earned influence over them and to lead the team that way. I, I know when things are are not good, and I coach back when I can see it. I coach people back to their core strengths. Sometimes we just get out of our own lane. You talk that a lot in basketball, that you know, stay in your lane, don't give up this position. But sometimes a shiny object can get an employee chasing something that wasn't even part of our mission. We, can get, we, we just get attracted to some kind of new idea. Maybe they've read a new book, and they're off on to try something else, and they get out of their lane. They get from their strength and move right over to a weakness. A, a love-driven leader is going to focus on on doing what we do best and stay there as, as long as they can. And the other thing about, about this notion is that we cannot give up a training program. Dr. Steve Green has been our guest talking about his new book, Love Leads. Uh, we will be back. We've got more here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We appreciate your joining us here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, the word. Uh, Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, the word. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. You've heard about our Solaire Infrared Grills at BestHotGrill.com, but did you know we also make the best gas logs for your fireplace? You've probably seen Rasmussen gas logs and fireballs on TV and in the movies. We've got sizes to fit all fireplaces, styles to fit every decor, and we even do custom designs for large and unusual fireplaces. Lighting these logs is as easy as pushing a button. Realistic Rasmussen gas logs look great even when the fire is off. For regions prone to power outages, gas logs are an excellent source of emergency heat with no electricity required. We've been making them since the 50s, so you can buy a Rasmussen gas log with confidence. So go to besthotgrill.com to find the products you need to keep you warm inside and outside of your home while eating great grilled food. Learn more at besthotgrill.com. That's besthotgrill.com, besthotgrill.com. This is a special notice to all U.S. taxpayers. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's good news. Due to the financial hardship many are facing in today's economy, the IRS has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative. Qualifying for this program will resolve your tax problem, end all collections, and possibly reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. If you are facing wage garnishments, liens, bank levies, audits, or payroll taxes, it's not too 
too late. Your circumstances may qualify you for this special program, protecting your savings and your assets. If you owe the IRS or state-backed taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's no need to worry anymore. Call the hotline at Victory Tax Solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands. For this free information, call 800-585-9580. 800-585-9580. That's 800-585-9580. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Dr. Steve Green, our guest in the first half hour, talking about his book, Love Leads. At his book, Love Leads. Uh, Gary Moreland is with us uh, from Monroe, North Carolina. Uh, He has written a book called A Family Shaped by Grace, How to Get Along with the People Who Matter Most. Uh, Gary, uh, very nice of you to join me. I hope things are well with you. Pat, things are awesome, and thanks for inviting me, buddy. Uh, Let's get started. Uh, First of all, why was this book needed? Why was it important to write it? Well, one of the things to me, I have two grown daughters, and they uh, operate in the writing, author, book writing, blogging world, and I would go to events with them. Mm-hmm. And and then some of the people who would be at the uh, event would say to me, because they saw we get along, you know, family gets along, you know how that is. I mean, your family, you know, gets attention 10,000 times more than mine, well, how big yours is, you know. And they would ask me a question, and they would say, well, you know, how do you have a family like that? And I didn't have an answer, and I would, I just thought, well, you just act normal. Uh, to me, it was normal. Okay, well, it became normal after a bunch of years. Uh, but then I didn't think that was a very good answer, Pat. So I started thinking about what is it that we do? What does it look like? What are our values? What kinds of things are we pursuing? How do we treat each other? When bad things happen, what do we do? And so I started writing those, and it seemed like that's the kind of thing that can be really helpful to people. Chapter one is called My Wife's Husband. If our river can change, so can yours. Uh, What are you telling us there, uh, Gary? I drank three quarts of beer a day for 14 years. Mm. My dad was an alcoholic. Mm. His dad was an alcoholic. His his dad left the family uh, when he was really young. He was so angry. My grandfather was so angry at his dad that he changed the spelling of his last name so that his dad couldn't find him if he came back looking for him again. Mm. Uh, my kids aren't alcoholics. <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic anymore. And the dysfunction and uh, uh, arguments that I used to have early part of our marriage with Brenda, those have changed. And so things can really change and the stuff that's, you know, our families are rivers, and my river flowed to me. You know, the, the things that had happened in our family before flowed to me, but I can put different things in the river to flow downriver to the generations after me. And so we've changed some of those things. We still have dysfunctions, but they don't dominate the way they used to. They have a, you know, a certain place that they stay in, and we major now on grace and major on acceptance and major on giving each other, uh, you know, credit and love. Took a while to change. Gary, tell me about the river of family. Your role is bigger than you think. Yeah. Well, your role is bigger than you think because you can't, we can't control anyone or tell anyone what to do as much as we'd like to. All right. If only, if only that wagging the finger thing worked, you know, But the control that I have is not one of control, it's one of influence. And so I can shape things by how I act and what my mood is and what my attitude is and by the grace that I give and the acceptance that I give and the love that I give. The more I can do that, the more it spreads, which is another part of the book talking about how our families are extremely contagious. Uh, so dysfunction spreads and grace spreads. So I ha- can do way more things than I think I can, but it's not done by me telling people. It's done by, be- by me living it and being a certain kind of person and allowing the Lord to then spread that to the rest of my family, which he does. Gary, how about this topic? Rolling down your river, where you are now, what you want, 
And what can it look like? Uh, you got to explain that. Well, um, you know, things can change, and we look a certain way. In the book, I have a what I call a family satisfaction assessment, and it doesn't judge your it doesn't judge our families. It just helps us to know how I feel about my family, and do I have any hope for my family changing, and do I am I do I actually believe that I can have an influence in good things happening in my family? That assessment helps me to know that. So that's kind of the the idea of that. You know, we're all I think we're all looking for ultimately for peace in our family. And so there's also a thing called the uh, I just call it the uh, uh, family peace pole star, which gives some words that are descriptions of values. I'll give you one to begin with, Pat. Mm -hmm. We will become a family that roots for each other, replacing performance and manipulation with acceptance and grace, becoming a safe place to launch and a soft place to land. That can be like a North Star to aim for, if you want. But sometimes we kind of want to see that in writing, or we want to think of that, or even have a conversation about that in our family, about shooting for that. And then, when we don't act, if we accept, say, that little phrase I just told you, and then we don't act like it in our family, but we've talked about it, Brenda can tell me, my wife, she can say, you know, you're not really living up to that, which she has done this. You're not really living up to that, uh, you know, replacing performance and manipulation with acceptance and grace thing, Gary, that you say is important. Yes, yes, you're right. We have agreed that's important, but sometimes I can kind of get off track on that. And so she helps me to do that. So each of us, each of our families has a river that we're rolling down, and we want to try to put good things in our river for the family we have now and for the family that's going to be coming later from us, some of whom, of course, we'll never meet. So, Gary, how about the Rocky River, the everyday tactics of family disharmony? That's the stuff we're born with. That's the stuff we just do naturally and uh, without thinking. And they seem to work. They seem they come so natural to us. For example, not having any inner peace unless people treat me right. I need people to treat me right in my family and to give me respect, which, of course, that's totally normal. But the, the unnormal part is if they don't, I'm going to be mad, I'm going to be upset, and I'm not going to have any inner peace. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to work it so that people will give me the respect or the niceness that I feel like I need or deserve from them. I might even uh, manipulate a little bit, because I don't really want to hear anything bad about myself. I'd rather hear all good about myself. And so I can, this is a tactic of disharmony, I can make it, if you were in my family, Pat, I could make it really unpleasant for you if you tell me things I don't want to hear. In fact, I could make it so unpleasant for you that it wouldn't even be worth it for you to talk about that subject. Uh, because I would just make it so unpleasant for you. So you then say, well, you're just not going to talk about that subject with me anymore. And I think I'm happy, Pat, because I have manipulated you into giving me what I want, which when I really don't have what I want, all I have is someone who's, I don't have a, a solution. I don't have peace in my heart. I just have the fact that the lack of peace in my heart is not being brought to my attention because you're not talking about something that's unpleasant to me. So another one, an everyday tactic of a disharmony would be keeping score. And we all do that naturally, keep score. The only problem is we only keep score when we win. So I keep score of, like, when you offend me, Pat, I'll remember that. But I won't remember when I offended you. In fact, I'll say that my offense against you, Pat, really shouldn't even bother you because it's not that big a deal. And then you say to me, well, Gary, my offense to you wasn't that big a deal. I don't think that that should bother you. So. When I keep score, I can end up over a bunch of years when you're in a family and we're all mushed together for so long, especially if it's a marriage and you've been married, you know, for me, 45 years. If we keep score, I'm going to have a lot of offenses against my wife, and she's going to have a lot of offenses against me. And we have successfully, thank God, by God's grace, made it to where our scorekeeping has been very, very low. But again, that came naturally to us as one of the everyday tactics of family disharmony. There's probably six or seven of those. Presuming you understand things that people say when really you don't would be another tactic. Getting offended 
being offended by someone, everyday tactic of family disharmony. That's a, we get offended. That is a way of manipulating people so that they don't tell us things we don't want to hear anymore. And then you swing from the Rocky River. You just talked about it. Now, here's the peaceful river, the timeless tools of family peace. I, I want you to explain that one. I want to hear this. We'll talk about the first one. This is one that's most important to me. And that is I want to get my peace right. I want to get the inner peace that there's only my, my soul, every person's soul, whether you belong to Jesus or not, every person's soul is designed to get an inner peace from God. And if I, if I try to replace that peace by getting peace from my family, from not having arguments, or from someone treating me right, or from being respected, or being loved enough, or people behaving the way that they should behave, or my family circumstances or situations turning out the way that I think they should, if I can't have peace unless those things are all in place, I'm probably not going to have peace because I'm not designed to get my deep inner peace from that. And then I'm going to end up being a problem in my family because we all, since we want this peace, we're always after it. And I'm going to have to be working on everyone else so that they behave in a way to where, that I think I need so that I can have peace. And everything can get disrupted and as each person is trying to do that. But if I have my peace the way that I'm designed, and the peace in my heart and deep in my soul is because of the sufficiency that God has given me when I believed in Jesus, if through that sufficiency that he gives me, if I can get my peace from that, then people don't bother me nearly as much. I, I, you're not, you're not going to offend me. You can't really hurt me because you can't hurt that place inside. I may get mad at you for a minute. But I'm not going to stay mad. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to have a keep score. Why would I want to do that? Because I have my inner peace, and now I'm able to fulfill the way I've been designed, and that is to love you and to give grace and to give you credit, to give you plenty of slack. That would be the main one, which, of course, is the opposite of the tactic of disharmony when I'm trying to use people to give my peace. Another one of the... Uh, uh, tools of uh, uh, family tool, timeless tools of family peace would be to accept people and to not have them have to perform before I accept them. To accept my role, like we talked a while ago, Pat, of my role is not to make certain things happen, but I can influence. The main way I influence is by modeling and being. Uh, you know, the behavior and the attitudes that I think are good for my family, I should show those because my family is contagious and those things will spread. And another thing I would want to realize is that God has placed me in my family to be his access to my family and for them to have access to his grace through me. And of course, they've been placed in the family for the same reason, but it's not my business to force that on anyone. But it is my business to accept that for myself. That would be another timeless tool of family peace to uh, accept myself as God's access to my family. Now, let's move to the topic of contagious momentum. Our families are designed for good to spread. Yeah. I think families like the most. I mean, you would know this, Pat. You got a huge family. At one time, you had 16 teenagers at one time, right? That, yeah, that's true. Yes, sir. And so you could see how if somebody got really off, for example, let's say off and angry or loud. Yes. Uh, and that happened, then it spreads. Every, it's sort of everyone kind of catches it. Suddenly, everyone's talking really loud. Everyone's getting agitated. Everyone's kind of getting mad at each other. We're just made to be contagious. The family is just made to be contagious, and that's how we turn out the way we are. That's how dysfunction becomes majored on in our families, because we, if we've talked about that a lot and majored on that, that's the kind of thing we continue to think about and the kind of thing that we feel. But it can go the other way, and our families are made contagious by God because he intends for calmness, grace, generosity, reason, peace to spread. And he's made it to spread really good. And that can be so encouraging to us because it's like, I don't have to actually work up a bunch of stuff. 
to to be an influence in my family. I just can take advantage of the design of my family to be contagious and trust that if I'm giving grace and if I'm calm and if voices get raised but I can stay somewhat calm, I can help keep things from getting too out of control, maybe even calm them down some, spread an attitude of calmness and acceptance and grace, and over time that can spread more and more. And My guest is Gary Moreland. The book, it's a good one, folks. It's called A Family Shaped by Grace. Uh, We will be back right after these messages here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's uh, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. The huge credit bureau breach may have dropped off your news feed, but your information may not have dropped off the dark web. Once your personal information is out there, thieves can use it to steal your identity for months, even years after a breach. Fortunately, it's not too late to get protection with LifeLock. Sign up today and we'll begin using proprietary technology to monitor your personal information for threats, including new accounts in your name, money being stolen from your 401k, or your information being sold on the dark web. And if there's a problem, one of our U.S.-based identity restoration agents will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but with LifeLock, you'll know your identity is on our radar, even if the last breach is long forgotten. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK today to get 10% off when you use promo code SMART. That's promo code SMART. LifeLock. More detection, more protection. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 530 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Thank you for allowing us into your homes. We are Laureen and Tony Giorgio living with Victory Ministries, formerly Compassion Children's Foundation. We advocated for seriously ill children who are falling through the cracks. Join us for Living with Victory, a program that will help you in life's storms because Jesus is your umbrella. Don't miss Living with Victory. Now heard twice on Sundays, 9.30 a.m. and 9.30 p.m. On 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. The name of the book, A Family Shaped by Grace, Ravel is the publisher, and uh, Gary Moreland is the author, and he's our guest from Monroe, North Carolina. Uh, Gary, we've arrived at the topic of Get Your Peace Right, uh, the peace that transcends all understanding. Uh, explain that one for us. We mentioned that a while ago, Pat. That's one of the timeless tools of family peace. Get your peace right. I put it in there twice, and like I have a whole chapter on it because uh-huh. I think it's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, when we get our peace that transcends all understanding, which I can't sit here and explain, right? Because it transcends all understanding, but it comes from a confidence and a peace and a trust in a sufficiency that's not mine that is a gift to me. And when I feel that and I accept that and I experience that, then I'm able to give love and I'm able to be generous in the ways that the Lord intends without me hardly even having to put an effort out because it can come naturally to me. Uh, there is one thing I think that can come from that too, Pat, and it's an angle I call it. I couldn't think of a good name for it, so we, I just call it the upside downerator. And basically the upside downerator is a different way of looking at say, a family challenge, some a person or a situation that's challenging to you that you don't like and you wish you could avoid it. And one way to think of that with the upside-downerator would be to look at it upside down and to ask yourself if it's possible that this problem that you're facing has, is actually an opportunity, and if this problem that you're facing is actually an invitation from God to become the kind of person that he has designed you to become and that he wants you to become. 
And I think we would agree that God likes grace, and He likes patience and forgiveness, and He likes love, and He likes humility. And when we face problems and challenges in our families, a problem that we want, I just want this problem fixed. Well, what would, it, what would be success in that problem, Gary? Would success be if grace came out of that, and if forgiveness came out of that, and if patience and humility came out of that? Well, actually, that's what's required for me to survive this problem. For me to get along with this person, I'm going to have to have grace. I'm going to have to have humility. And it's almost as if the Lord, I don't want to say he engineered it, but he certainly permitted it, is allowing this circumstance to be there so that I might go to him and trust him and push into him and count on his sufficiency so that I can have that grace and patience and humility so that I might survive this problem that I'd really like to avoid. And when I see it that way, I can almost be grateful and maybe be grateful for the problem and the challenge that's there, because if I respond to it the way the Lord has designed me to, then that problem's going to end up doing some really good things for me, and then the grace and humility and forgiveness that I need to have is going to spread to other people, and it ends up being a good thing. Gary, let's move to the topic called Accept Your Family, Your Role, and Your Limits, and then you say it begins with you. Yeah, because can't, we can't control anybody else. And I, you kind of feel funny when you write a book, you know, and you're telling people about themselves when the bigger problem might be somebody else, you know. Mm. might be almost all somebody else in your family, but you're not talking to them. I'm just talking to the can only talk to the person that, that is uh, reading the book. Now, of course, sometimes when we read that, we may end up seeing some things about ourselves that we didn't anticipate. But the idea is to accept your family, that this is who they are, and they have come down the river from upriver to where you are, and you don't have control over any of that, but you do have control, or not control, but you do have influence over what happens after this. So my role, then, I accept my family, I accept my role to be an influence and not to control, and I accept my limits, and my limits are... I can't control anything. I can't make anyone respond a certain way. I can't make anyone be a certain way or act a certain way. I can't make anyone love me. I can't make anyone treat me a certain way. But I can influence, and I can trust God, and I can accept them for the way that they are. And if I do, the more I trust the Lord, the more I can accept them for the way they are. So it begins with me. And then let's go to be patient, curious, and attentive be the caring gift they long for. Well, we all it's, we all want to know that we matter. We all want to feel like we're valuable. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because I think the Lord wants us to feel that from Him and feel His love for us. Uh, but He also uses people to fulfill these things. And when you are patient, and when you uh, are curious about someone, and you ask questions, and you really mean it. When you say something like, so what are, what's challenging you these days? Or what are you encouraged about these days, Pat? And I look you in the eye and I listen. You would know I care. You would say, Gary doesn't seem to have some agenda. Gary seems to actually be interested in my challenges and things that are encouraging. So your words, then, you're going to feel like your words have some value because I'm actually paying attention to what you're saying. And this can be a wonderful way to connect with people Uh our family members, we go so fast, and we don't listen often because life is fast. But a few seconds or minutes a day when we give our undivided attention can cause another person to really feel valuable and like they really matter. And that is a wonderful gift to give someone. And because our families are contagious, they'll give it back. Gary Moreland, our guest, the uh, book is a good read a family shaped by grace now be god's access you tell us you're god's hidden treasure in your family i want to hear this well when you uh there is a, a treasure it's like a not a secret treasure it's a treasure placed in your family by god uh, on purpose and that treasure is his access to your family and that treasure is you and it's me and it's each one of us in our family, but we can only talk about ourselves 
only ones we have control and influence over, really, or control over. So the, uh, you know, the thought is that I'm a treasure placed on purpose by God for him to have access to my family so that he can spread grace in my family. He wants to love my family, and he's going to want to use me to do it. He, when I am patient and curious, and I've talked to you, Pat, and I've listened to the things that you've said, I have heard your heartbeat because I care about you. Then when I accept myself as God's access in my family, I'm going to want to cooperate to what God's up to with you. And so I'm going to be paying attention to those things that you say, and I'm going to try to be an example of the pace of the Lord in your life, the pace of him, meaning the, you know, the journey that he has each one of us on, the values and the kind of person that he's making us. And he's going to want me to be an encourager. By the way, I did, I I looked at some studies on encouragement and it takes, uh, on average, we all need about six times as much encouragement as criticism. We probably get it's probably flipped, but before the before you even feel the encouragement, you have to be encouraged six times for every criticism or critical thing before it even feels even, <laughs> which was amazing to me. I think we have a lot of room to go to be encouraging. But when I read the Bible and I see how the Lord treated Israel in the Old Testament, even though they got off track so badly, so much, He was so encouraging to them so often. So being God's access. God is an encourager. I want to be an encourager with my family. Let's talk about, um, we got about a minute here, Gary. Um, Model what you want to see. Show what it looks like. Yep. If I want my family to be humble, I don't say, you need to be more humble. I have to act humbly, right? If I want my family to appreciate each other more, I don't say, you guys need to appreciate each other more. What I do is, I appreciate them, and I tell them what I really appreciate about them, and I tell them that in front of other people so the other family members can hear that too. When when I want my family to see things from God's perspective, I don't say, you need to read your Bible so you can see how God thinks. What I do is I read my Bible so that I can see how God thinks, and then when I'm fired from my job, I can give them a perspective that, uh, no problem, God's in control, and uh, he he says he loves me, and I believe he has uh, better things for me. Gary Moreland has been our guest. The book, A Family Shaped by Grace. We'll be right back for a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-422-3838 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Melberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-422-3838. That's 800-422-3838. Employees of J.D. Melberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Dr. Steve Green was our guest in the first half hour, talking about his book, Love Leads. And then Gary Moreland plugged in from his home in North Carolina. And we uh, listened to Gary talk about a family shaped by grace please visit my website it's patwilliams.com the twitter page is orlando magic pat and check out my most recent book it's called the success intersection 
When your greatest talent intersects with your strongest passion, you have found your sweet spot in life. That's what we write about there, and uh, we hope you enjoy the book. In the meantime, have a wonderful day in church tomorrow and a great week ahead, and uh, we'll be back with you next weekend on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.